0: Hello Miami Dolphin fans, welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Kotzker, with me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. We're back at it. We're back at it today for a special uh literally post season episode of the show we're back in the saddle again i guess technically i guess this would count as an off season episode because it is in fact the off season right
1: yeah i guess it would be
0: i mean it's it's literally the off season for everybody because we're recording this a couple days after super bowl 53 which was um won by the worst team on the planet, not worst team necessarily in regards to uh, football talent and coaching talent, but the worst team in terms of just general spirit. The general spirit of the organization is not one that I am a particularly big fan of. Their fans were getting in fights on the streets of Boston today at the championship parade. The New England Patriots won their sixth Super Bowl in 17 years, which is a pretty remarkable achievement. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. What well, do Patriots fans have to be angry about, that they are getting into fights? Uh, that they're nearing the end of the Brady-Belichick era? Are they Are they getting into
1: fights as to who deserved the MVP award? Uh, you know, was it Edelman?
0: Was it... Was it Brady? Was it Stefan Gilmore? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what is wrong with these people. But that's a, that's a whole other podcast diagnosing what's what New England Patriot fans have to be mad about. Um, but what we 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 are Miami Dolphin fans. We typically have lots to be mad about, and in true Miami Dolphins fashion. Even when the news is good, there's a couple things that make you go, huh? But Things that make you go, huh? But it is, it is good news for the Miami Dolphins. They have a new head coach at long last, Brian Flores, who had been the linebackers coach slash de facto uh, defa- defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, was named... The head coach of the Miami Dolphins, the 13th head coach of the Miami Dolphins, uh, that happened on Monday of this week. And so after much speculation, the the head coach search has finally reached its conclusion. And there had been a number of names bandied about um, this offseason in particular. The big thing that was going around was everybody was looking for a a coach that was going to be an offensive-minded guy an offensive genius everybody was looking to try to model an offense in the style of Sean McVay and, and the Los Angeles Rams and the Dolphins bucked all of that trend and the guys that they were talking to two of the favorites for the for the job as they were narrowing down the search were Chris Richard of the Dallas Cowboys and Brian Flores uh a couple of defensive-minded individuals, and the Dolphins finally pulled the trigger. It is Brian Flores. They had to wait a while. It seemed like they were ready to make this announcement a couple of weeks ago, but they had to wait until the Patriots' season was over, which it now is. So they made the announcement. Brian Flores is the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And I think this is there's a lot to be, I guess, excited about here, even for us. A couple of curmudgeonly, cynical Miami Dolphin fans who who have been through the ringer over and over and over again with this team. We've hit the reset button again, and I guess this time there is room for optimism because it really does sound like this is a team that is going that is ready to embrace a rebuild, and they're they're bringing in Brian Flores. To lead the charge on that. Now, they, they, they gave him a five-year guaranteed contract, so, which is, you know, as we sort of hinted at it on Twitter today, we aren't in love with that idea because what if, what if it turns out that Brian Flores isn't actually the right guy for the job? Well, <laughs> you've, you've signed him to a five-year guaranteed contract, so you're going to be paying him for a long time. But at any rate, it is it is uh, an exciting time because Brian Flores is here. And, you know, it's n- this is not a show about the Patriots. And there was a lot that went into it. But when you take a look at the defensive performance from the New England Patriots in this postseason and in the Super Bowl in particular, I guess it makes you feel good about Brian Flores coming in. Now, obviously, it's going to be a very different situation when he's in Miami. When he was in New England, he had Bill Belichick sort of designing the game plan with him, and he was the one that was calling the plays. Uh, Flores was the one calling the plays on game day, but you know, he, he was certainly being mentored and guided by Bill Belichick. When he comes to Miami, he's the guy. He's the head coach. He's the top of the top of the list so let's get your reaction brain the Miami Dolphins have hired Brian Flores what are your thoughts I mean it was a very underwhelming list to begin with Uh,
1: my initial thought when Flores was named as a candidate was here's a guy that's not even a defensive coordinator Granted, he was play caller for he was the defensive play caller for one season, and that's it. Um, so not a ton of experience, um, and a defense that frankly wasn't that great. And on a team where you know that Bill Belichick's fingerprints are all over the defense, that that's really his mo. So how much of what New England does defensively is Brian Flores and how much is Bill Belichick? And then you look at the Bill Belichick coaching tree and it's been a disaster by and large. Pretty much every Patriots assistant that has gone on to be a head coach has failed. Bill O'Brien is really the only one that hasn't. And it's not like he's been a smashing success. He's had a modicum of, of success with the Houston Texans. But, I mean, Charlie Weiss has been a disaster. Romeo Cornell as a head coach was a disaster. Josh McDaniels as a head coach was a disaster there really hasn't been anybody in, in, Bill, in Bill Belichick's coaching tree that has taken a head coaching position and been great. So it's it didn't really inspire a lot in me. But look, you, you read about uh, his background and, you know, he's obviously a guy that has communicated well with players but he and and his reputation is that he's very well respected both among his players and among his peers that he toes that line between being an authority figure and being a players coach really well and that's great I, I, I like what I've heard about him um, the the speech about you know about everything that he went through growing up in in you know the worst neighborhood in New York and and how he he's basically made it from nothing it's inspiring he may very well turn out to be a great coach but i mean none of us can sit here and just say with any degree of certainty that he's going to be a great coach just as we can't sit here with any degree of certainty and say he's not going to be a great coach the fact is He's got one year of defensive play calling where he wasn't even the defensive coordinator. He was the linebackers coach. We don't know. He may be, he may very well turn out to be a great coach, but we don't know. Um, And I would say the same thing for any coach that we were looking at, because we weren't looking at really any head coaches with any head coaching experience. Uh, We were looking at Vic Fangio, who was a, a lifelong defensive coordinator. That one probably, of all the candidates, that one was probably the one that I would have been probably the least excited about. Because when I see a guy that's been like a lifer as a co- as a coordinator, it just kind of tells me that there's something not there that there's something that there's a reason why he's been a coordinator and a damn good coordinator in this league for 20, 25 years and has never been a head coach. Uh, there's just a certain quality there that's missing. So I was happy that that he wasn't the guy, the Eric B enemy thing. Um, I know he's well-respected, but that just struck me as Joe Philbin 2.0 where You're latching on to a hot coordinator who is not even calling plays. So he's just kind of a product of the system that he's in and the talent that's there. Kind of like Joe Philbin was when Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback. And all of a sudden you're thinking, well, we got... The Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator. How how bad can that be? And it's like, well, it, yeah, anybody can be a great offensive coordinator if you've got Aaron Rodgers. The same way anybody could be a great offensive coordinator if they're not calling plays. They've got Andy Reid, an offensive genius, and then they've got Patrick Mahomes, the MVP of the league. So it's not, you know, I, I wasn't thrilled about the Eric Bienemy thing. The only other guy that I that we were considering, obviously um, Rizzy. Uh, was like the players choice. Um and that one would have been interesting to me because he's obviously he's been a great special teams coach. You can't argue with the results as a special teams coach. And if the players were gonna all come to his defense, you know, that one would have been interesting. And then the other one was uh what was it? Richard, the uh the defense Chris Richard
0: uh uh-huh, with yeah. Dallas.
1: Yeah, the, the defensive coordinator or the defensive backs coach, who was like the de facto defensive coordinator for Dallas. And he was also the defensive coordinator under Seattle um, when, you know, for a few years after Dan Quinn moved on from from that post to Atlanta. So that one was interesting to me. He He was kind of the guy that I thought we would go after. And that one excited me a little bit more because I felt like he had proven – a little bit more as a coordinator. Um, But all right, fine. You got, you got Brian Flores. I'm fine with it. But let's not just all of a sudden say, well, fall in love with Brian Flores and say, we've got ourselves the next Don Shuler. Have we not learned a damn thing? Like really, have we not learned a thing from hiring Adam Gase and saying, you know, hey, this guy is an offensive guru. He comes really highly respected. We've got ourselves the next Don Shula. We like what he's saying. You know, he's saying all the right thing. It doesn't mean crap. Let's look at this thing objectively. What I don't like is uh, the tweet that you basically pointed out to me that you, you sent me in a text message this morning. And it was a tweet by Adam Schefter basically saying that – the Dolphins gave five years guaranteed to Brian Flores. No other new head coaching hire got more than four years guaranteed. And I looked at that and I said, why? I, I, it just didn't make any sense to me. And I, look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and make a big deal over the difference between four years guaranteed and five years guaranteed. That's not what it's about. What it's about is there was no competition to hire Brian Flores. Everybody knew that we were hiring him. All the other head coaching positions had been filled. Why did we feel like we needed to give him an extra year guaranteed when you're not bidding against anybody? It's not like he had some other options lined up. Like, why are you doing this? And it just... I'm not saying it's a big deal. I'm not saying that it's a, it's a huge difference, the one extra year of guaranteed money, but it's two things. One, first and foremost, it's a bad sign. It's, <laughs> the, this whole new era uh, under Chris Greer as the GM and the streamlined front office, would, now Chris Greer is making all the decisions and we're going to do things differently. Well, this is a move that just seems clueless. Because you're giving a guy an extra year of guaranteed money for nothing. Again, that year doesn't count against the cap. It's money that, I mean, it's essentially, it's Stephen Ross's money. If Stephen Ross, if if three years down the line, we decide, or, or Stephen Ross decides that Brian Flores isn't a good coach, Stephen Ross can fire him and he's got to pay the buyout. It's not counting against the Dolphins from a cap perspective. So it's not a big deal, but it's just like, why are you doing that? And then the second thing is, is if that means we're giving him five years, like we're guaranteeing him five years and we're not going to buy him out. Even if he proves to not be a very good coach, we're going to be patient because the plan is it. We're going to take a long-term approach and we're not trying to win now, which I'm all for. I'm all for this. Like, let's take the long approach. Let's build this thing. Right. And let's be patient. But if you're saying you're going to give this guy five years and then three years down the line, you don't like the direction this, this franchise is going and you fire you want to fire Chris Greer because he hasn't done a good job putting the team together because he hasn't found a quarterback and this team is still an absolute mess from a personnel perspective. Well, now you still are paying your coach for another two years, so you're bringing in a new GM with this coach that you, for some reason, guaranteed five years for, because for no reason, because he's got no track record. So it's, it's not like you had, like, this, well, we gotta lock him up for five years, you know? And so you're going to bring a new GM and that GM, that new GM is going to have to live with Brian Flores as his coach, regardless of whether or not he's a good coach. And again, we don't know if he's going to be a good coach or not. It's just it's a it's a bad sign because it's a clueless move. It's not a move that the better franchises in the league would have made. It's not a move that the Patriots would, I mean, granted the Patriots don't have this situation because they got Bill Belichick, but I mean, if Bill Belichick was like higher, if if Bill Belichick was to retire from head coach from coaching and he was to move into the front office and just be like president of, or vice president, president of the New England Patriots, do you think he'd hire a coach with no head coaching experience and guarantee him more years than any other head coach? Well, no. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's if you're trying to use the the Patriots as your barometer and that's your idea, that's your thinking, that's why you're hiring Brian Flores because he comes from that organization which is the gold standard in the NFL, greatest dynasty in sports history. If that's your model, what well, you
0: you've already failed. Well, regardless this is our new head coach, and we're not going to say that we failed yet. We're not. We're not going down that bandwagon. <laughs> I'm
1: not. That's not. I'm, I'm not saying we failed. I'm saying if we're trying to be like the Patriots, in our first move, in the literally the only move in this quote unquote new era, we have done a
0: very anti-Patriots move. Sure, sure, but we, it's yet to be seen how we're going to handle player personnel. And, of course, that's the other big story coming into the offseason here is what are the Dolphins going to do? Now, All everything that we've heard, all signs point to the Dolphins really doing a complete rebuild here. And it wouldn't surprise me to see a lot of the guys on larger contracts let go. Uh, A report has come out officially that the Dolphins are planning to move on from Ryan Tannehill. So it seems like this is going to be a team without a quarterback. And if it is true that the Dolphins are in fact going to go move on from Ryan Tannehill, I I mean, there is an argument to be made by by some segments. And we're not going to get into the whole tanking thing because that argument has been made. We've talked about it at length the players are going to go out there every week and try to try to win but it's how can you rebuild and do it the, the the thing about rebuilding is you have to do it smartly you have to be intelligent with how you spend money and so all of the people that are out there calling for the dolphins to spend money on Lavy on Bell and and Antonio Brown and those kinds of free agents stop it stop it <laughs> are there people saying that yeah Yes, I... I, You're not building up a straw man here? Somebody, somebody literally... I published the article today on DolphinsTalk.com. Somebody was making a case for the Dolphins to sign Le'Veon Bell. Jesus Christ. Um, It's like, listen... I get it. You want to be flashy. You want these big players, but that's those are not the kinds of moves that this team needs to make right now. And and I quite quite frankly don't think those are the kinds of moves that this team is going to make this offseason. At least not, not if they actually intend on on doing this rebuild the right way. You have to you have to invest smartly. You have to put money in the right places and make room for the kind of guys who are going to be difference makers. And this is not the kind of year where you're going to be bringing in new people to be difference makers for you in the long run. You might bring in some guys as role players, as veteran talents who you can get on the cheap, and they may prove to be vital parts of this team in the rebuilding process and end up you know, helping this team eventually get back to the playoffs and maybe even further. But you're not going out there... With the idea of signing Le'Veon Bell and those kind of guys. Now, should the Dolphins pay some money, spend some money to make sure that they secure young guys on their roster that are already here, guys like Xavier and Howard? In my opinion, they should spend some money on Xavier Howard because why draft somebody and groom them? And when they become the player that you drafted them to be, why then not pay them? That doesn't make any sense to me. So I would hope that the Dolphins are able to put together a plan to keep a guy like Xavier Howard as part of the core that this team builds around going into the offseason. But as far as like guys with bigger contracts I, you know, and, and maybe some guys that have been around the team for a long time, your Cameron Wakes, your Rashad Joneses, your Kiko Alonzos, I, I, I would, it would not surprise me, surprise me at all if all of those guys were gone. Come next season, maybe Cameron Wake renegotiates and, and takes a smaller deal, uh, you know, the hometown discount, if you will, to stay with Miami. Otherwise, I think he leaves in the off season. Um, maybe he goes and plays, you know, the last couple years of his career with somebody else. But I think this is a time where the Dolphins need to cut away all that dead weight, and that's going to be what they do this off season. And it really sounds like. Brian Flores is the guy that is on board with Greer and Ross and this full rebuild. And maybe that's the reason that they gave him the five-year contract. As we said, they're committing to it being a long-term process. And, you know, they're not going to freak out if the Dolphins haven't made it back to the playoffs in three years because it's all a process. Now, if the Dolphins go 1-15 in 2019, I'm not going to be mad about that. I, I mean, I could understand you, you have this desire to win now, win now, win now, but the Dolphins going, if the Dolphins don't make significant steps in this offseason to bring in a franchise QB, and they end up 1-15 in 2019, that actually turns out to be a really good thing, um, because that puts them in pole position to draft their guy in 2020, Um now if we're 3 years down the road and the dolphins are still 1 and 15 we're starting to develop a little bit of a problem here but you know if the dolphins are 1 and 15 and then 4 and 12 and then 7 and 9 8 and 8 there's progress being made there and you know hopefully that the organization and the fans will be patient In this process, Uh, we've we've sat through a lot of mediocre football over the years. So I think it's okay. I think it's okay. We can deal with it if the team is bad for a couple of years, if they're make while they're playing bad football on the field. The organization is making steps to eventually get to a place where we can consistently be playing not good football, but great football, championship football. And it seems like everybody's on board to make that happen. So what what are your thoughts on what the Dolphins seem to be doing as far as this offseason and what the sort of general, uh, you know, the sort of what seems to be the new modus operandi of the Miami Dolphins?
1: Well, for starters, I'll believe it when I see it, um, because they're so saying cynical, all
0: their so cynical. Well, I believe it when I see it. No, I I agree with you. I agree with you because the fact of the matter is how many of, uh, you know, the last five head coaches that have come down here, it's all been the same story.
1: Yeah, we're going to rebuild this thing and then they go out and the first year they have like fluky success and then all of a sudden they think that they're close and then they go out and they spend a bunch of money. So, um, and on bad bad money, Um, the first thing I want to talk about is – how do we stop that from happening how do we how do we stop the fluky success how do we go out and actually tank because we were 7 and 9 this year and I mean granted I I all season long you know looked at this team and looked at a couple of their fluky wins and I looked at their point differential and I said you know this team is closer to a bottom 5 team than it is a playoff team which at the end of the season I think I was proven correct but many people still look at this team and they look at a couple of games they look at the Cincinnati game and the Indianapolis game and they say this team very easily could have been a playoff team this year. So I look at it and I say, well, how does this team get from that to absolutely tanking next year? And, okay, you're, so you're not going to bring back Ryan Tannehill. Okay, who's going to play quarterback? If the idea is uh, you're just going to let David Fales or Brock Osweiler play quarterback, I'd say, okay, that that's how you tank. Um, If you're going to go out and you're going to spend money to bring in a Ryan Fitzpatrick or <laughs> a Nick Foles or – Uh, Some other journeyman quarterback. I mean, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is as good as those guys. So honestly, if they got Teddy Bridgewater, I'm not sold that that's not them tanking. But if you're going out and you're signing a quarterback with the expectation of them being better than Ryan Tannehill, let's just say they go out and they play at the same level as Ryan Tannehill. If you're keeping this team intact and then you go out and you're not drafting a quarterback, so you're drafting along the trenches to beef up your offensive line and defensive line, this team's going to be better next year. If you're getting competent quarterback play and then you're getting better in the trenches. So how are they actually tanking? That's why I say, I'll believe it. When I see it, I will believe it. When I see them trading valuable players, like, Rashad Jones and granted Rashad Jones. When you look at the season that he had this year and the contract that he had, you're probably not going to get, you know what you could have gotten for Rashad Jones a couple of years ago, which probably would have been like a second round pick. You probably might, you're probably going to have to settle for a third, maybe even a fourth round pick, but are you willing to trade a Rashad Jones for that third or fourth round pick? Because the plan is to be bad and the plan is to not win for two or three years. In which case, the plan is by the time Rashad Jones's contract is up, you're not planning on being a Super Bowl contender. So you might as well get something for him. And in the meantime, make yourself worse so that you can improve your draft stock. Um, so are they going to trade players like a Rashad Jones for Probably less than their worth. Are they going to, you know, let guys go that they could probably afford to keep around for a year or two, like a like a Kiko Alonso, um, just because, you know, well we don't want to sign them long term, so either we're going to trade them or we're going to release them. Fine. I mean, I want to see what they're going to do. Um, I think their plan as far as building the... Ro- I think you just identify... You mentioned this. You touched on this. You identify your cornerstones, your foundational players, your franchise guys. Xavier Howard, franchise guy. You lock him up. I don't think there's anybody that's following this team, that covers this team, that believes that that's not their number one priority this offseason. And I, I, I don't feel like there's any... Um, doubt that that's going to get done. But at the same time, you look at it and you say, well, are they going to be in such a desperate position to to sign him long term and to get this deal done that they're going to make him like the highest paid corner in the league? Because they, if they do that, that's not necessarily a great move. They might have to. And at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do to sign the guy. But you got to try To get him at a deal that makes sense. Because I know he had a great year. And he shows a lot of promise. And he's certainly shown to be an elite corner. But is he the best corner in football? Is he a guy that that you are going to break the bank for? I don't know. So that's going to be interesting. Laramie Tunsil is a guy that. You don't necessarily need. To sign this year. Because he's really. He's got two years left on his deal. But. If you're sold on him that he's a franchise left tackle for the the next decade, you could probably save yourself a few million dollars per year if you extend him now and you get that deal done now versus wait for him to have another elite year where he doesn't get snubbed for the Pro Bowl. And then all of a sudden he's got back-to-back elite years, one where he actually gets elected to the Pro Bowl that he should have gotten elected to this year, and now you've really got to pay him franchise left tackle money. So those are the two guys that right off the bat, you just, you got to get those deals done. And then you got to make a decision on guys whose contracts are coming up. Um, A guy like Kenyon Drake, a guy who many people, myself included, believe have the talent to be what what did we call it game changing ability the able game one.
0: changing that's right he's yeah. a game changer
1: would he have been that game changer if he was utilized correctly if you believe that this is the offseason to extend him not To play this waiting game where we're going to, well, we're going to give him another year to kind of prove it on the field. And then when he has his breakout year this year, he hits the open market. And now it's like, well, you either got to give him $10 million a year, which is an obscene amount of money to give to a running back, or you let him go. And if you let him go, you're letting him go for virtually nothing. You're going to get like a compensatory late second round pick for him or maybe a third round pick for him. I'm not sure exactly how those things work. So to me, you got to make the deal now. You either say we're locking up Kenyon Drake. He is part of our future, or you're shopping Kenyon Drake to a team that ultimately will sign him because nobody's going to trade for Kenyon Drake unless they believe that he's worth, you know, that kind of contract. And so, um, I believe you, you start shopping Kenyon Drake right now, unless you believe that this guy is like a pro bowl running back for the next five or six years. And if that's the case, you sign him right now to a three or four year extension at a reasonable team friendly deal. Um, And then they, you know, there's, there's a couple guys. uh, There's some contracts that that need to come off the books. We're actually in Brian, uh, Chris Greer actually takes this team over in a, He's got a lot, it's a very advantageous time to take this team over because when you look at their their roster and the players that they have that are signed long term, it's really just the rookie class that they just drafted, you know, your Minka Fitzpatrick's, uh, your your Mike Gasicki's. You know, and, and really like the guys that they drafted outside of Mika Fitzpatrick, I mean, they're three or four year deals. And then you've got Bobby McCain who, you know, maybe you don't love Bobby McCain, but as a number two slash number three corner making like $6 million a year, he's really not a bad deal. Uh, for, for a guy that you've got over the next few years. And then outside of those guys, and then you've got your Raquan McMillans and your Jerome Bakers, who you've got locked up because they're in last year or the year before his draft class. You don't have a lot of guys that are signed long-term. So you can let all of these guys come up and you can bring in this youth movement. You can acquire picks for your guys that you're going to let go and then see where your chips are next year. and, That's when, you know, and, and the year after really, and see where you're at. And that's when you've got all that cap space and that cap flexibility. And then you start looking at these guys when they come into their second, third, fourth year and you, you can really identify, okay, who are the guys out of this class that we want to sign long-term. And if we want to sign them long-term, let's sign them long-term. And if we don't let's shop them, show some foresight. They've got the the flexibility on their roster to begin doing that now. The only thing that will keep them from doing that is going out and spending a bunch of money on overpriced, old free agents like your Le'Veon Bells and your Antonio Browns.
0: Yeah. So the hope is that the Dolphins are not going to, in fact, do that. And. I, I I'll don't. give them credit. I don't think they're going to do no, that. No, I, I don't season. think so either. I this
1: really season, don't. I don't think they're. Go- the thing that worries me, and I, I'm telling you, I, at this moment, my until I see them start to jettison parts, I believe that the most likely scenario for this team, especially if Brian Flores is a good coach, is that they're going to go out and they're going to go 8 and 8 next season. Or or even worse they're going to go 9 and 7 and then everybody's going to be talking about what a great coach Brian Flores is and everybody's going to be saying, "Well, you know, we did this and we cleared up some of these players. Hey, maybe we're closer than we thought we were." And then boom, that's when we go out and we we do the same thing over and over again and that's what I am deathly afraid of.
0: And then the cycle would begin anew just as it always does, because these are, in fact, the same old Dolphins. Now, I would say if there is, I really feel more so this time than I have any of the previous times that this team is really looking to make the change and do what they need to do to finally get this team turned around properly. Again, as you said, it remains to be seen whether or not that's going to happen. But one of the things that I guess is helpful is that we've heard a lot of good names uh, associated with Brian Flores who are going to be coming in to help the Dolphins as offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. They're bringing in uh, former Packers linebackers coach Patrick Graham to be the new defensive coordinator to work with Flores, and uh, Chad O'Shea, who was the wide receivers coach for New England for a long time with Flores is now coming over to the Dolphins to be the offensive coordinator. Um, Also, there's rumors going around that the Patriots assistant quarterback coach, Jerry Shiplinsky is uh, going to come over and coach the quarterbacks for the Dolphins. We've also heard a lot about um, Jim Caldwell possibly coming in to serve as an assistant head coach so there's a guy with some experience and then the other name that uh, came out on Tuesday is that it sounds like uh, Dom Capers who had a brief stint with the Dolphins in some capacity is potentially um, coming back to the team to serve as something like a senior assistant to the defensive coordinator so There's I I don't know a whole lot about all of these guys that the Dolphins are coming in and bringing in as coordinators and assistant coaches. The coordinators, both of the coordinators are going to be serving in those positions for the first time, but these are guys that have, have come from teams with good pedigrees and obviously Jim Caldwell has been a part of successful teams in the past. Dom Capers has been a part of successful teams in the past. Those are the kinds of names that you'd like to hear coming in to sort of help Brian Flores and this new coaching staff sort of find its way as they as the team rebuilds. So th- there is there's certainly room for what I would say is cautious optimism. Sure and cautious optimism
1: is is the right way to put it that's what's that's it's okay to be cautiously optimistic now the thing that i would say and i did say if you followed me on twitter and you followed this little this thread that happened what what
0: is your uh, what is your twitter account there at aaron the brain at aaron the brain and i'm at amplified to rock the show is at sam old dolphins follow us continue
1: so there was a tweet,
0: um,
1: I guess it was Tom Ernesty, who, who uh, frequently uh, is on the, the DolphinsTalk.com podcast. We're part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network, and they Good do a great here. job. Good plugs here. They do a great job, and I am not saying that they don't know what they're talking about, and I'm not saying that Tom doesn't know. Tom is very knowledgeable, and he knows what he's talking about. The problem is... As most Dolphin fans are, he's very biased toward it. And he wants and it, It's a natural thing to, to want your team to be right and to be hopeful and to let your optimism go past that cautious optimism and just go into, you know, blind optimism, blind faith. and, one of the things that I just pointed out, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It just it just struck me as odd, is, you know, he was glowing about, you know, oh, we're bringing in uh, Caldwell as he's going to be the assistant head coach. and He's going to be like an assistant offensive coordinator, and he's got all this success. He's the experienced hand. We're bringing in Dom Capers well-known, respected, great, all-time defensive coordinator, well-respected, experienced. He's going to be your assistant. But you've got a first-time head coach who's got one year of experience as a coordinator, and you've got an offensive coordinator in O'Shea and a defensive coordinator in Graham who have never had those posts. And my question is, well if you're going to bring the experienced hand in there, why don't you just let the experienced hand be the coordinators and let these guys learn under the experienced hand. That has been the way that this typically works in the NFL. And I'm not saying that it can't work the other way. I'm just saying it seemed a little backwards and I got blowback like, Oh, you're being negative. And all I'm saying is, shouldn't we, look at every move that the dolphins make considering where this franchise has been and is now going on about 20 years. Now when the dolphins do something that is weird, that is different than the rest of the league. Shouldn't we look at it with more skepticism than optimism? Shouldn't we look at it and say, You know, I don't I don't think they know what they're doing because by and large for the last 20 years, they haven't known what they're doing. Why should we all of a sudden, because we have a new GM and a new regime, assume that when the Dolphins do something that nobody in the league is doing, should we assume, oh, they're. They're smarter than everybody else. Really? This team that has been dumber than everybody else for the past 20 years, all of a sudden you want to give them the benefit of the doubt and just blindly believe that they are smarter than everybody else? Again, not saying that it won't work out. Not saying that you can't be cautiously optimistic and like the plan. All I'm saying is look at it objectively and say – no other team that's had success has done it this way. The Dolphins have been terrible for 20 years. Maybe we should look at this and just say, I don't know that the Dolphins know what they're doing.
0: Well, and I mean, it's hard to argue with that logic, but I think... Right, it's logic. That's, that's the whole point. That's right, right. It's, it's difficult to argue with it. But at the same time, when you have been a fan for the Dolphins... I can't fault somebody for wanting to go all in and get excited because we've been it's when you're a dolphin fan, you don't get a lot to be excited about. So, I mean, I get I'm it. Sure I get You do. It. You, you do every 4
1: years. Right. Every 4 years you get a new coach and you do the same damn thing. So at some point, I want I want my fan base to just learn. I want them to just have some perspective. And just say You know this might work This might not work But before I go all in and say That this is great I'm going to sit back and just take a look at it And I'm going to go at it And I'm going to observe it Objectively with a healthy dose Of curious skepticism Skepticism And you know Not just take Every single move that they make As this is the right move And again, I'm not saying it's the wrong move. It's just everything in their past, both recently and going back 20 years says that they don't know what they're doing. And it's not like Chris Greer is some new kid on the block either. Chris Greer has been here for about 15 years. So for him to go out and do something that seems to defy logic shouldn't be seen as he's ahead of the curve. It should really make you question why the hell is he doing that? And is this just the same old dolphins? Because that's what it looks like to me. It looks like the same old clueless
0: dolphins. Well, be that as it may, the fact is that it is a new, it is a new leaf. And while ultimately Whether or not Brian Flores is a great hire for the Miami Dolphins, that is not something that is going to be decided today. It's not something that's going to be decided tomorrow. It's not something that's going to be decided a year from now. It's going to be something that we figure that out a couple years down the road when we see what this process looks like. When we see, well, you know, in a couple of years, we'll know whether Brian Flores was a good hire and whether Steve Ross did the right thing by getting rid of Mike Tannenbaum but letting Chris Greer stay. Those decisions that some people were really excited about, some people are a little skeptical about, in a few years' time, we're going to know whether or not they worked out. But it's going to take patience and it's going to take time to see how things go. And so we've got to be patient. And honestly, you're talking about Tom may have gotten excited and been diving in headfirst to the hype pool. Like I said, I can't blame somebody for that. I can't because... There's there's so, so much of our existence as dolphin fans is is just wallowing in mediocrity. So when something when you have an opportunity to get excited about it, by all means go ahead. Get excited. Um, I always suggest keeping a level head, but if you want to get excited, I'm not gonna fault somebody for that. On the other side of the coin, if you listen to dolphinstalk.com daily on uh, Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, you heard Mike Leva, the owner and operator of the site. On on that podcast, his reaction was the same as ours was, which was he doesn't feel any more or less excited about this hire than he did for any of the previous ones, and as such, he can't really get that excited about it because we've seen how things have played out, and we don't know how good Brian Flores is going to be as a first-time head coach. I, I said the statistic that a large – I think it was like something like 75% of the coaches that were in the playoffs this year were, were guys who were in their first um, – head coaching assignment in the in the National Football League so I mean there is the possibility that Brian Flores can lead this team to doing good things but then you look at the team that won the Super Bowl and that's Bill Belichick who is not in his first head coaching assignment so whatever take that for what you will at any rate a new leaf has been turned over at least so we are led to believe and so now we're going to watch and see how things play out in this offseason Let's see how the dolphins draft. Let's see what they do with player personnel. Who do they get rid of? Who do they bring in? What kind of contracts are they handing out? All of that is going to be really interesting to watch. And you know, and that's something to get excited about is that we've got an offseason. I mean, listen, it's the offseason. One thing we know is that the dolphins are definitely not going seven and nine over the summer. So we can get excited about that see what kind of moves the Dolphins make, and we'll see how they draft. Um, here on the show, we are in the offseason mode, so we're not on a regular schedule, but as news comes in, and news happens over the course of the offseason. The Brain and I will get together and record some shows for you to, to get our thoughts down on tape so that you can share in that conversation with us. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, our Twitter account is at Same Old Dolphins. We're also at Facebook.com slash Same Old Dolphins. So we encourage you to... Uh, to head over there and join in the conversation with us. Every episode of the show is available on DolphinsTalk.com. We are part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network with Tom and with Mike and with the guys from Perfectville, Fins Up, Fans Down, Landon and Jeff Show, all of those guys um, over there. So we hope that you'll check out DolphinsTalk.com as well. You can download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Um, so when another episode drops, where whenever it may be, let's say you're not on social media, when is the latest same old Dolphin show coming out? Well, don't worry about it. If you've subscribed to us through Downcast or whatever app uh, Podcatcher you use, whether it's directly through Apple Podcasts, if you've subscribed to the show, it's going right to your device. So make sure you subscribe. If you got a few minutes, we also would appreciate you leaving us a five star rating and a nice review. On Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on SoundCloud, on Stitcher. We're on Spotify now. So, there are a lot of places you can catch the same old dolphin show. So, uh, we hope that you will do this. Brain, any last parting words for the people before we uh, wrap up this off season special? Cautious
1: optimism. Don't forget the cautious part of the optimism. There is no reason to completely buy in into what the Dolphins are selling. I like what they are talking about. I like the things that they are saying. But actions speak louder than words. And if this team is really going to do the rebuild and build this thing up the proper way, they're going to need to take steps To They're going to need to make sacrifices for this season. And if they're not willing to make the moves, even if you look at that move, if you say, well, player X is worth more than pick Y. But so so the Dolphins aren't willing to trade player X for pick Y because they feel like that's not good value. If the Dolphins bring back They're virtually the same team and then they go out and they draft well and then they bring in a journeyman quarterback who is serviceable, who is essentially Tannehill, you know, or maybe even better because you bring in a – in my mind, Ryan Fitzpatrick is better than Ryan Tannehill. Um, If you bring in a guy like that, you are not tanking and I'm not – and so like if that's the way you're trying to approach it. By rebuilding without tanking, okay. But if you believe that what they need to do is to tank, then you need to be fully on board and ready for them to dismantle this thing. Uh, So cautious optimism because if they're not willing to do that, I think you could be looking at three to four more years of football
0: purgatory. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that it's not football purgatory. I'm fine with football hell for a year or two but football purgatory I can't deal with because that's where we've been well we 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 can deal with it because we have dealt with it for about 20 years that's also true because we are in fact the same old dolphins that's going to wrap us up for this episode uh we will be back as soon as there is big news in the off season when will that be who knows all we know is that the Brian Flores era has begun, and just like Aaron the Brain, I am urging all of you Miami Dolphin fans to be cautiously optimistic. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from Cause we're the Miami